0: If you walked in here this morning and coming in that door, you certainly could not say it is well. Just take a moment to reflect on what we just sang. This is an opportunity to receive what God is offering you right now. the peace that only he can give. If you walked in here this morning confidently saying it is well, I want you to imagine what it's like for the church in Turkey and Syria right now. After losing more than 24,000 people in an earthquake. I want you to imagine what it's like in Haiti right now where it's absolute chaos in a place that's now completely controlled by gangs and there is no government. Is it well with them this morning? Father, we come to you this morning with need. We come to you this morning counting on the fact that you are our foundation and that foundation cannot be shaken and sometimes we need to be reminded of that so that we make sure we're standing on that foundation firmly and inviting you to be who you are to bring all the power of your presence into our lives. And Lord, for those like myself who are struggling this morning to say it is well. just invite you in stand next to us and say to the waves be still for our brothers and sisters around the world who are many of them are wrestling with their circumstances we invite you into their lives with the words be still God, will you just walk us through your word this morning, will you just bring us to that place where we know your presence, we know your peace, where every single one of us can walk out of here confidently saying, it is well with my soul because of you. Help us to get our eyes on you this morning to see what you want us to see, to hear what you want us to hear. This time is yours. This church is yours. I am yours. Each one of of the people in this room and watching online are yours. And we're inviting you to do all that you have to do, that you have in mind to do this morning. This time is yours. May your will be done. May your kingdom come in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, I too want to just thank you for the awesome time last Sunday serving together and worshiping together and sharing communion together and then this week our uh, our youth group went over to Orchard Path and played bingo with the residents there and and just continued to develop that relationship and I just invite you to pray for the growth and development and expansion of our relationship with People in our communities, Um, this is just a tremendous opportunity, so let's just keep building on that. This morning, we continue our journey along the road to Jerusalem with our brothers and sisters from long ago and from throughout history. Um, We're listening to the people of Israel in David's time as they sing songs while walking the trail. We're also discovering some parallels between their journey and the journey that Jesus took while he was here And we're looking at our leg of the journey today. God graciously invited us into his kingdom and we're discovering together just how much there is to learn as we walk alongside others in his kingdom. Even those who walked their journey thousands of years ago. Our Bible map for the journey is found in the book of Psalms. There are 15 Psalms referred to as the Songs of Ascent. Those Psalms are Psalm 120 to 134 and three Sundays ago we looked at Psalm 120 and we heard an expression of distress that was sung on the journey as it began, the journey to Jerusalem and then two Sundays ago we looked at Psalm 121 and we were reminded so beautifully that we have a guardian who walks with us and watches over us every moment of every day. Um, Kyle and I had the privilege of leading the chapel service over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge on Thursday morning. And it was truly an honor to bring them some encouragement through a time of worship that he led and a message that I brought. And I shared Psalm 121 with them and reminded them of the one who watches over them. It was a really encouraging time and it was really encouraging to see some familiar faces from their visit back to, to this place, to our church, back in November Even last week, tied into our series, as we celebrated communion together in the context of God providing for his people during their time in the wilderness, we remembered God providing bread and water for Israel, which even then symbolized the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the bread of life and living water. So let's take the next steps of our journey together and look at Psalm 122 this morning. Turn there now in your Bibles, Psalm 122. This psalm was also written by David, and I will admit that I've had to sit with this one for quite a while before the thoughts really started to flow. Sometimes the Bible's like that. What may have been obvious to God's people thousands of years ago is not automatically going to be obvious to us. But also, now we have the ability to see things unfold throughout history that they couldn't see then. What a tremendous privilege that is. It's amazing. And so there were things that jumped out at me from this psalm that bring to light those parallels I'm talking about between Israel, Jesus, and us. So here then is Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. All right, and the last psalm we looked at together, Psalm 121, the message there was timeless. It really was. One of those passages where you could just read it once, even for the very first time, And walk away encouraged. I mean, I can't imagine anyone who wasn't immediately encouraged by the words, my help comes from the Lord, or the Lord is your keeper. But I found Psalm 122 to be quite a different experience. In fact, when I go back and read it for the 147th time later this week, I'm probably going to see something I didn't see this past week. The book's... And the Bible commentaries that I read about this psalm were honestly all over the board in the way that they interpreted Psalm 122. And that ought to drive us to ask God for His direction to illuminate His word for us. And that basic step is a step that we ought to be taking every time we open the Bible We should start by asking God, what do you have for me here? And whatever you do when it comes to Bible reading, don't do it just for the sake of knowing that you're doing the right thing. Christians, read the Bible, so I'm going to get my reading done and get it out of the way. Seek God's direction when you read. He gave us his spirit to guide us into truth. Invite him to do that for you as you read his word. And then encourage someone else by sharing with them what you saw, what you heard. So even though the different resources I looked at didn't line up with each other regarding Psalm 122, they also never contradicted each other. They just showed me once again that God's word is rich and deep. And overflowing with wisdom and encouragement and insight and so much more. I'm going to divide this psalm into three parts this time rather than examine it verse by verse. Um, I saw themes here that connect to each other but are also distinct from each other. And so let's read the first two verses again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Now, David was glad when it was time to go to the temple. Let's talk about that for a minute. Why was he glad? There are some writers who have made this first statement, the basis for their interpretation of Psalm 122. Essentially, they say, David was glad when it was time to go to church again, and we should be glad when it's time to go to church again. And we should. But Let's personalize this a little bit. Every Sunday morning, When I get up early and make my way here to the church, I am glad. It is a joy to get here and anticipate what God's going to do on any given Sunday. I pray as I pull into the parking lot, I get great pleasure from the simplest things. Like unlocking the doors, turning the lights on, opening up this sanctuary, Making a fresh pot of coffee for myself and the worship team and tech team and the Bible study group that's coming in and meeting downstairs. Resetting the air handler because it froze overnight again. (laughs) Spreading ice melt on the sidewalk in minus 10. Vacuuming the spot the cleaners missed. Catching the stupid snake that came in under the door looking for heat. And then staggering into the kitchen, desperate for the coffee that's taking way too long to brew. And (laughs) comically enough, as I was writing this message, I was reminded to save this document right now so that I can avoid having another one of those Sundays. (laughs) Meanwhile, back home, my wife, waking up early herself, gleefully anticipates going to the house of the Lord. Until she has to begin the weekly ritual of waking up three grumpy, hormone-enslaved teenage boys who stayed up way too late talking about soccer, social politics, school, and rugby, rugby, rugby. <laughs> and now they act like they're bears being poked in their dens way before spring arrives. I'm pretty sure David's intent in writing Psalm 122 was not to make us feel guilty about our lack of gladness over going to church on Sunday mornings. (laughs) At least I believe that wasn't what God wanted me to come away with after reading this psalm many, many times. Why was David so happy? I mean, there are even exclamation points following both verse 1 and verse 2, and if David had access to emojis, he would have used them here. David and the Israelites were headed for Jerusalem. Why were they headed to Jerusalem? Because God lived there. God's family was paying him a visit. The Spirit of God dwelled in the inner room in the temple called the Holy of Holies in the city of Jerusalem. And because of that reality, Jerusalem had become Israel's hometown. Their trips to Jerusalem were trips to God. They pursued God on the road to Jerusalem to get to God. They had to travel Physically, And so they did, and their experience with God in Jerusalem brought them joy. Verse 2 makes a statement about something that had already happened. It's a past tense statement. David says that their feet have been standing within the gates of Jerusalem. This was not their first time making the journey. Three times a year, if you remember me talking about that. But the journey to visit God had been so encouraging in the past... That they are glad when it was time once again to go to Jerusalem where God's presence dwelled. And so off they went with smiles on their faces. All right, the second section of our psalm is made up of verses three to five. Let's read those again. He says, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Now we definitely need to talk about Jerusalem. The name Jerusalem means teaching of peace. We're going to see that word peace multiple times pretty soon here. David's now describing the city of Jerusalem and its character. But is David being literal here, or is he speaking of the symbolic value, the symbolic character of Jerusalem? Well, he described Jerusalem as a city that is bound firmly together. That is a confident statement for sure. There's something secure about Jerusalem, but we know That the actual physical city of Jerusalem was never really that secure. The city was under siege more than once. It fell more than once. In fact, Jerusalem is a very divided city right now. Is there something else being stated here? I think there is. Jerusalem represented a lot to the people of Israel and it ought to represent a lot to us as well. Consider with me for a while that Jerusalem was a symbol for God's kingdom. That's a word, kingdom. It's a word we don't really use that much anymore unless you're referring to Middle Earth or Wakanda. But God uses it all the time. God's kingdom is about people. We know that, not just a place. God's kingdom has defining qualities like the one we're about to look at. God's kingdom has strength and security. God's kingdom is an indestructible force. God's kingdom has systems and governance, and I'm talking about the kind of governance Jesus showed us. God's kingdom is real, it's eternal, and some of those things are described right here in our psalm today. Jerusalem is described as a city that is bound firmly together in verse 3. God put it together, so how can it not be? God built this kingdom, not humans, God's kingdom is diverse. Look at verse 4. The tribes of Israel would all go up to visit Jerusalem. God's kingdom has order and governance. Look at verse 5. It was referred to as the house of David because David was their God-appointed king. The heart of worship, the heart of social order for Israel was found in Jerusalem. So God's people went to visit God at the center of his kingdom, which was at that time the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was a strong, secure, well-ordered, diverse, and unified place representing well the kingdom of God. And then there's a third section of this psalm, verses 6 to 9. This is what he writes. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. David implores God's people to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He's doing that himself, and he invites others to join him in this prayer. But what is he really praying for? Is he just asking God to keep their enemies from attacking them so that they can live in peace? Is he asking God for financial security so they never have to face the uncertainty that breeds anxiety? I think his prayer is actually bigger than that. The word that's translated peace for us in our language is the word shalom, It does mean peace, but it carries with it a far deeper, broader meaning than just not being attacked by your enemies. Shalom is about wholeness and wellness. I've heard shalom described as a term that gathers together all aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. It's not an easy term to define. Shalom is the experience of all being well with us. But well is defined by God, not us. The Apostle Paul experienced shalom in some pretty crazy circumstances in which we probably would never say that we have it. Shalom is God-centered and God-supplied and it is only possible in and through God. God. David was praying for peace, for shalom within God's kingdom. And I believe that Jerusalem was a representation of God's kingdom. That peace included security. And so he wrote of the security that God's kingdom offers. Shalom included and always will love. It included love. David prayed for shalom for those who love God. This is not just about alignment with the kingdom. It's about love for the king. And for the sake of his brothers and sisters in the kingdom, David prayed for this shalom kind of peace. He wasn't just seeking it for himself. For the sake of the kingdom, David said, he would seek the kingdom's good. The physical presence of Jerusalem was real. At the time this was written, the city of Jerusalem was a fairly new thing and a very big thing. God had ordered its construction and in contrast to the temple being in a tent and on the move throughout the wilderness, Israel now had a well-built, secure, powerful city to call their own. But as he does with many things, God is pointing to something through the establishment of an actual physical city. Jerusalem was well-built, bound firmly together. That's a fact. They even looked at the bricks that were used and they were dense and strong and all that was there. But like I said, time proved that Jerusalem, the physical city, was not entirely secure. And as we've been shown in places like the remarkable book of Revelation, there is a new Jerusalem coming. When Jesus returns... And sets things right again. The kingdom of God, the new Jerusalem, will take up permanent residence here on earth. Now let me work some parallels into this because I find this to be a stunning challenge that left me just sitting in my chair lost in reflection for a long time. David celebrated Jerusalem and as they traveled there, the whole nation of Israel, God's people, celebrated Jerusalem. But a few thousand years later, things looked very different through the eyes of David's distant relative. Listen to these words from the lips of Jesus. This is Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39. Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, Jesus visited Jerusalem too. In fact, as he approached Jerusalem right before his crucifixion, Jesus had a very powerful response to what he saw in that mighty city. This is what happened and what he said in Luke 19, verses 41 to 44. And when he and when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for Peace, But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. The contrast between David's feeling... Feelings regarding Jerusalem and Jesus' feelings is pretty dramatic. But note that the theme of peace is present in both. And Jesus redefined some things for us. The temple that was found in Jerusalem became the temple that is now each one of our lives. God now dwells in us thanks to Jesus. And Jesus redefined the kingdom for us. God's kingdom is made up of his family, spread out across this planet and across time. We are that kingdom. David's prayer was for shalom in God's kingdom. Jesus' prayer was for shalom in the kingdom. And in John fourteen twenty seven, we hear Jesus saying, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace, not as the world gives, do I give to you. And he encouraged us that he's going to come back and bring the new Jerusalem with him. And we'll live within the security and wellness and wholeness of his kingdom for all of eternity. Here's the challenge that came to me that rocked me more than just a little David's concern was for God's kingdom and shalom in that kingdom. Jesus' concern was for God's kingdom and shalom within that kingdom. What's my concern? As a follower of Jesus, what's my position on the kingdom? Where do I stand on God's people, God's kingdom? As a follower of Jesus, my goal is to become more like Jesus and to join him in what he's doing. More like him in who I am, more like him in what I do. So if Jesus looks upon the kingdom and weeps, where does it leave me? Am I becoming more like Jesus by becoming more and more critical of the Western church? Am I becoming more like Jesus by fixating on how it needs to change and become more like what I want it to be? Or should I maybe start praying passionately for shalom in God's kingdom? Maybe your experience of God's peace should be one of my highest priorities. For your sake, maybe I need to spend more time on my knees asking Jesus to give you that peace that he promised. For the sake of the kingdom of God, maybe I could invest a lot more energy in seeking your good, your wellness, your wholeness, God's complete will to be done in your life. Brothers and sisters, we have a very broad, deep, and meaningful calling as members of God's kingdom. One dimension of that calling has to do with being agents of shalom. We're to pray it into each other's lives. We're to speak it into each other's lives. We're to demonstrate it in the way we impact each other's lives. God is doing a remarkable thing by building his temple, his kingdom, his dwelling place. But like David and like Jesus, he's calling us into that mission as well. So let's take a step forward in that mission today by committing to do what David did in Psalm 122. Pray for the peace of God's kingdom. Pray that those who love God will experience his security Pray for peace and security in every corner of the kingdom. From our gatherings here to the many places the kingdom goes every week, into our communities, our workplaces, our schools, our homes. Tap into the compassion that you have as someone who's been created in the image of God and speak peace into the people around you for their sake, for the sake of this church and God's kingdom everywhere. Seek the good of that kingdom and pray, speak, impart, and live out shalom everywhere you go. Chapel Hill, may God increase this perspective and practice among us. May we truly become full-time agents of shalom for the sake of the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going to take another step in making this part of who we are. Meanwhile, I would encourage you to just let this psalm sink in throughout the week ahead. You might have to read it more than once. I might not be on the 147th time, but I'm getting close. Spend time in it. God's desire for his creation is shalom. The full extent of his will being accomplished in our lives. Ask him for that. In your life, in the lives of the people around you right now, in his kingdom throughout this world. Let's do that right now. Let's pray together. Father, I cannot thank you enough for making available to us what you so desire for us. Shalom. Thank you that your desire for us, for your kingdom around the world and throughout time is to experience your peace, your wellness, your wholeness to fully embrace your will for our lives and your will for your kingdom. God, I invite that in our presence. I ask that you would bring that peace into the lives of every single person in this church. I ask that you would bring that peace, that wholeness into your kingdom around the world, no matter what we're facing, where we are, who we are. I know that it is your desire to expand your kingdom, to bring your kingdom into more and more places around this world, into more and more lives. And I know that we have the power to impact that by coming to you on behalf of your kingdom for the sake of our brothers and sisters and asking for peace asking for wholeness, asking for wellness asking for the fulfillment of your will so God bring that bring that into our midst I pray that for Chapel Hill Church we would experience day by day in an ever increasing way the fullness of your will being carried out here We would see you use us as a church, as a representation of your kingdom to shine your light into the world around us, to bring your kingdom into every corner, to bring your peace into this world. Thanks for giving it to us. Use us, Father, to give it to others. Make us agents of shalom in this world. Thank you for calling us into your kingdom, for making us citizens in your kingdom, no longer strangers and aliens. Thank you for this place where we belong, safe within the walls of your kingdom, within the walls that are your loving hands, your powerful arms. We are yours ask again that your will would be accomplished among us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son.